and take your Bible, turn to Acts chapter 21. Acts chapter 21. Uh, the Lord aligns things up, and it's fun to see how God does things, especially when you try your best to be prepared, and, and then God just does things, and you realize that's exactly what He wants. And so I had another message prepared this morning, but we're going to jump to a message on missions. Um, tonight, I'm going to be preaching on uh, Psalm 42, a message of hope. So I would encourage you to come on back for Sunday night. I know it'll be an encouragement to you. Uh, just a little preview of Sunday night. Uh, we live in a society that asks the question, where is God? And uh, you talk about God, but where is he? And so tonight, we're going to cover Psalm 42, which will be able to help us with that and give us some hope in our Christian faith. This morning, Acts chapter 21, verse 13. And uh, my desire whenever I hear someone new is to get to know a little bit about them. So uh, real quickly, I'll give you my elevator story. Uh, my parents uh, were, my father was raised on a farm. And he went on to be a Marine, served in Vietnam, and then he got saved. He accepted Christ as his personal Savior, and right away knew that uh, this girl he knew needed to get saved as well if he was going to be right with God. And so he went and showed her the plan of salvation. She accepted Christ as her Savior. They were married, and they went to Bible college. After Bible college, the Lord called them to Papua New Guinea, which is right above Australia, below Indonesia. And during debutation was when I was in my mother's womb. So I live, breathe, eat missions work. It's just in me. And uh, we went to Papua New Guinea right after I was born. I actually had my first birthday there. And then uh, due to... Um, increased danger to the family, we had to leave in 99 and come back to the United States, whereupon my parentals influenced me on who I should look at to get married. We didn't mess around. We went straight to the pastor's daughter, and what do you know? She's with me today. Yes, Amen. No, that's a very short story in regards to what happened. But uh, just by way of encouragement to you parents, uh, get involved in your teenagers' lives. Get involved in who they are interested in. I'll never forget, real quickly, my dad said, hey, I want you to come out to Arizona. I want to introduce you to a girl. And my first response as a Baptist, missionary, saved at five, knew the Lord's will was, ugh. Are you serious? My dad's got someone for me. Oh, come on. And then I saw my wife-to-be, and I said, wow, that's God's will for me, without a doubt. And uh, my goodness, the Lord's just blessed. So we are a sort of arranged marriage, but we like to say we had an opinion in the matter. And uh, God is just blessed as we continue to draw closer to him. This morning, I'd like to pitch, if you will, missions. Uh, now, I'll, right away, I understand that not all of us can go. And so uh, this message can be the will of God in your life. Uh, I get that in order to send, some must stay. Uh, for the first half of my life, missions. 
for the last half of my life, I'm 41 years old now, it's all been pastorate and the church, and God is blessed in that way. And without a doubt, I know the Lord's called me to be where I'm at today, but I desire to give to you a, a, a pitch for missions. I'm not your Holy Spirit. That's between you and God, but maybe this morning God would work in your heart in regards to giving you a, a, a desire and a want to give your life over to Christ. Uh, maybe it's full-time Christian service there. I, I get that we need Sunday school teachers. I get that we need teachers. We need church planners. We need church rebuilders. You guys are currently going through a situation where you're having a new pastor come in. What if there wasn't a new pastor? I've been doing some research nationally. We have a lot of churches that are in need of a pastor. Uh, just recently, a church closed in Pennsylvania. Church building paid off, members, but no pastor. And this is going nationwide. And so I would encourage you not to get settled in your seats and think, well, this is it, but rather ask God with a passionate desire, Lord, what would you have me to do today? And we'll see how it goes. Maybe it's going to Bible college, whether you're young or old. It's never too late to serve to God. Maybe today there's something unique that God is working on in your life. And maybe this message will speak to you. I would encourage you to think upon Paul's words here in Acts chapter 21. Notice verse 13. We'll pray and then we'll begin the message. Acts 21 verse 13. Then Paul answered, what mean ye to weep and to break mine heart? For I am ready not to be bound only, but also to die at Jerusalem for the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you so much that we have the opportunity to be here. Clearly, you have orchestrated everything and allowed us to be here at this time for this moment. And so, Lord, I ask that you would bind and rebuke Satan from his presence here. We know from the scriptures that when Jesus would enter the synagogue, the places of worship, many times he would enter and he would be presented against demonic forces. And so, Lord, I ask that your power, your presence would be here as we know, but even more so. Give us a tenderness. I know we're distracted, Lord. Give us an openness, a softness of the heart so that we might be able to within ourselves, draw closer to you. Lord, we need your help and we ask for your blessing this morning. Shut my mouth to things I should not say. I know time is of the essence and I ask that you bless in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, now back in 2014, while visiting a missionary of ours in Brazil, we met a local national pastor. Now, he had already started one church, and with our veteran missionaries' help, they were coming together to go to an adjoining city and start another work. And so we had shown up. We were doing a missions trip, a short-term one, and we were able to ask questions. And that's one of the things I love. After service today, when we're having our potluck, our meal, take time to ask Brother Henson and Mrs. Henson, you know, questions pivotal to your life. They have the uh, boots on the ground, if you will. They know what's going on. They could be very instrumental in your life. And so when we traveled on this trip, I would ask several questions of our missionary and specifically, I asked one question, and it went along this. How do you know what the will of the Lord is 
for your specific life, for your specific ministry. And then, you got to add it because we're Americans. And then, what is the extent that you exert yourself? Right? What, what's too much? What's too little? What's, what's too aggressive? What, what's going to burn you out? What's going to keep you, you know, falling off because you did too little? To what extent? And it was pretty interesting. The national pastor said, ministry is hard. It never lets up and it never gets easier. And then he said, and I'll never forget it, I can work as much or as little as I want. Think about that. Ultimately, I must know what God expects of me and do it to the best of my ability. Firstly, let's look at Paul's warnings. Paul had verbal warnings coming from others. And so in order to do that, hold your spot there in Acts chapter 21. You're just going back one chapter. Notice Acts chapter 20 and verse 18. We kind of jumped right into Paul's uh, situation there, very emotional. And now we just want to kind of get a little history real quick on what's going on. Notice Acts 20 verse 18. And when they were come to him, now Paul has gone to a city near Ephesus because he's headed to Jerusalem. And he's not able to go to Ephesus. So what he does is he asks the leaders, hey, meet me and let me share some things with you. And notice verse 18. And when they were come to him, he said unto them, ye know from the first day that I came into Asia, after what manner I have been with you, at all seasons. Notice 19. Serving the Lord with all humility of mind and with many tears and temptations which befell me by the line and weight of the Jews. And how I kept back nothing that was profitable unto you. But have showed you and have taught you publicly and from house to house. Testifying both to the Jews and also to the Greeks. Repentance toward God and faith Toward our Lord Jesus Christ. And now behold, I go bound in the spirit unto Jerusalem, not knowing the things that shall befall me there. You know, it's interesting when you ask a missionary, uh, you know, hey, you've been called somewhere. The worst thing is to not know exactly where. At our church, we, uh, we support over 100 ministries that are related to missions. Everything from uh, closed countries all the way to juvenile detention centers in Idaho. We cover it all. We cover the gamut. Our number one priority is to be able to support church planting missionaries. That's the heartbeat of Scripture. And so it was interesting when you think about, you know, if I'm going to serve the Lord, I need to know where. We recently had a missionary to France. And he said one of the most heartbreaking things of his whole deputation was he knew God called him to France. He didn't know where in France. And so he would go from church to church and, and they'd say, where specifically? And he would say, I, I, I just don't know where specifically. Let's bring it down more towards our level. Sometimes God calls us and says, hey, I want you to serve in the church. And we might get frustrated because we're like, Lord, where do you want me to serve then? 
Or maybe you're like me. At the age of 10, I started praying about the Lord's will in my life. And at the age of 16, I was at a Valiant for Truth conference in Missouri. And, and without a doubt, the Lord had called me to be a preacher. And one of the worst things throughout my whole high school years was, Lord, do you want me to be a, a, a pastor? Do you want me to be an assistant pastor? Do you want me to be a youth pastor? Do you want me to be a missionary? Do you want me to be an evangelist? Do you want me to be, what do you want me to be? And sometimes we can get frustrated at that. Notice Paul here in, in Acts 20. Notice in verse, uh, he, he's going to Jerusalem but he doesn't know where. Notice, he, he's uncertain of it. Verse 22, and now behold, I go bound in the spirit unto Jerusalem, not knowing the things that shall befall me there. I, I know it's Jerusalem, but I, I just don't know what's going to happen. But I know God's called me there. Now he gets some verbal warnings. Notice Acts chapter 20, verse 38. These leaders of the church, they come up to him. And notice verse 38, sorrowing most of all for the words which he spake, that they should see his face no more, and they accompanied him unto the ship. If you would just imagine with me, they're saying, Paul, you don't have to do this. We want you to stay. And sometimes that's a roadblock for us as Christians. If, I, if God's calling me to be a missionary and I share it with somebody, boy, there's some heart pull there. Hey, we need you here. And you are needed at the local church level. But if God's called you, what are you to do? Notice that the leaders of Ephesus, they're sorrowing. They're sorrowing. In other words, they're saying, you don't have to do this. We want you to stay. I think about how when God called me and, and I knew then that I had to go to Bible college. I, I, I remember thinking within my heart, oh, my family's going to be excited. Now, my father was a missionary. He of most will be excited. And I recall that the day I told them, my dad said, well, okay. Have you thought about the Marines? <laughs> and I remember thinking, oh, man, okay, I got to pray about that. Fast forward, it's time for me to leave. I'm 17 years old, turning 18, heading out to Arizona. And my father says, James, you're leaving a big hole. We're praying for you. Now I had my parents' blessing. I had my wife's uh, parents' blessing to come. The church, the Lord was opening all kinds of doors. There was no slowing me down. And I remember my father saying, you're going to leave a big hole. And as a 17-year-old man, I was just like, huh, okay. All right, where to next, Lord? It wasn't until later in life that I realized, man, the heart pull, the emotions, the, the, the emptiness that someone has when you leave and they have to stay. Notice that the elders of the church, they're giving verbal warnings. Uh, they're concerned about, uh, Paul, you're going to be leaving. And in, in Acts 20, verse 38, they're sorrowing. Notice Acts 21, we notice another verbal warning. Acts 21 and verse 4. And finding disciples, we tarried there seven days, who said to Paul, through the Spirit, 
that he should not go up to Jerusalem. Now, notice in your Bible that the word spirit is a capital S, meaning this was godly wisdom. This was the Holy Spirit. Hey, you shouldn't go up to Jerusalem. What do you mean? This is Paul. What, what, what do you mean he shouldn't go? The disciples, these are, these are leaders who, who have chosen to sacrifice their life to the cause of Christ. And they're telling Paul, Paul, you shouldn't talk this way. Just, just don't do this. One commentary says, Paul tendered his own liberty and safety not to go up to Jerusalem since it would certainly expose him to very great safety concerns. And man, ever since 2020, we are all about safety concerns. So much so, we're inundated with safety concerns. Now, if you decide, Lord, I feel you prodding my heart towards missions. I, I feel you leading me in this direction. You better believe it. You're running into dangers. You're running into hazards. Another commentary said he chose to encounter the danger of which he was thus apprised. Our duty is not to be measured by the fact that we shall experience danger. Our duty consists in following the will of God and encountering whatever trial may be in our way. Did you know that the Holy Spirit will direct you and tell you that this is dangerous? This life, is, it, is, it, it, it has dangers in them. Let me just say that missions, anytime it's dangerous, you hazard your life in some form of, or another. And speaking of a military town, you guys get it. You step into the military, what, are, are you going in for comfort? No, we already know that. Hey, I grew up with my father who grew up on a farm in Illinois. And, and, and then he decided to go into the Marines. And then he decided to stay in the Marines. And so growing up as a young child, if there was something that was difficult for me, he took the military route. Face it. I don't want to face it. Face it. And sometimes as Christians, God will move in your heart and say, hey, I want you to do this. And you'll be faced with danger. And then you'll start, hmm, I don't know. And you might even get some Christians telling you you're going to run into some danger. And you better believe it's there. Let's quickly move on and see that there's more verbal warnings. Notice Acts chapter 21 and verse 11. And when he was come unto us, he, speaking of a prophet named Agabus, took Paul's girdle and bound his own hands and feet and said, Thus saith the Holy Ghost, so shall the Jews at Jerusalem bind the man that owneth this girdle and shall deliver him into the hands of the Gentiles. I would imagine this man to be older than Paul with experience and, and very knowledgeable of the culture of the day. He, he clearly understood the times. And he might be one of those people that says, look, I've been there. I've already traveled over there. I already know what you're saying that you're committing. Your, do you realize you're taking your family? Have you considered that? And what grace Paul demonstrates by allowing him to physically take him and tie him up. Could you, 
If I were to bring you up right now and say, okay, I'm going to physically tie you in front of everybody, boy, that takes some grace on my end. You start touching me, I'm going to be like, hey, I'm out of here. Paul's demonstrating some great grace here. And I would imagine that, that this man, this elderly man, would be telling Paul, do you realize what you will experience? Back in 2012, the Lord allowed us, uh, our church, to take a small team of about 14 people down to El Salvador, Central America. And in 2012, El Salvador was four times as dangerous as Mexico. And during that year specifically, Mexico was twice as dangerous as downtown Phoenix. And so I'm coming before the church saying, the Lord's opened a door. We're going to go do a vacation Bible school down in El Salvador. Would you like to come? Do you realize where you're going? Now, let's, let's remember that the missionary lives there and has lived there for the past 10 years. Let, let's not forget that God has enabled and opened the door. But would we face danger? Yes, of course. During the late 80s in Papua New Guinea, uh, also into the early 90s, Papua New Guinea was one of the top five places not to be in the world. And our family was there. And to this day, if you would talk to my father, he would say any given month, there was a reason to go home. Any given month. And it would have been fine. It would have been justified by the churches. It would have been greatly appreciated by the family. But God had called us there. And God allowed the doors to stay open. Not much has changed in missions globally over the year. Notice chapter 21 and verse 12 Four daughters prophesy. Notice verse 12. And when we heard these things, both we and they of that place besought him not to go up to Jerusalem. So who's the they of this place? Look at chapter 21, verse 8. And the next day, we that were of Paul's company departed and came unto Caesarea, and we entered into the house of Philip the evangelist which was one of the seven, and abode with him. In verse 9, the same man had four daughters, virgins, which did prophesy. So now we see in verse 12 that the evangelists and the four daughters, virgins, all gifted, are saying, don't do it. Now imagine with me. The women are getting involved. They're starting to say, now, now my wife has great discernment. And there's times in my life where I'm just like, man, why didn't I think of that? God gifts women specifically. Now, what happens when God lays on your heart that he desires you to do more for him, and you have people saying, no, 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 and they're people of the church. Notice that the young ladies, they're known as virgins now, Hollywood has mysticized everything and made priestess and all this stuff. That's all junk. What we're talking about is a character trait. These are godly young ladies who have grown up in the faith, who have a character trait of transparency, openness, and honest communication. And they're coming before Paul and they're saying, Paul, this is going to be difficult for you. Notice verse 12 specifically uses the word besought. That word besought means to entreat, to implore, to ask or pray. In other words, they're saying, hey, 
we've grown up in church. I, I, I know what my dad, the evangelist, has gone through. I understand that, that you have a passion for souls. And, and I understand that God has called you. But, but we know the behind the scenes. Paul, don't do it. Here is a family genuinely concerned about Paul's call. Now, notice that when a Christian decides to follow the call of God in their life, there is going to be some emotional tugs going on, hugely. How do we know that? Look at verse 13. Then Paul answered, what mean ye to weep and to break my heart? There's always this push. There's always this, this psychological evaluation, if you will, right? Today, it's all about, you know, is, is he really fit? to do what he's going to say, right? We're always trying to evaluate everybody. Notice, and, and we don't have time, uh, but, but real quickly, remember Paul on the road to Damascus? Without a doubt, I believe Paul would say, you know what? God called me. He said, go, arise, arise, go, go. And without a doubt, I, I think Paul would remind them of the fact in Acts 9.15 that he was a chosen vessel. And that he was to suffer. Okay, you got to see this. Turn back to Acts chapter 9. Look at verse 16. Now God is speaking through Ananias who is going to confirm God's call upon Saul. And God specifically says to Ananias something about Paul's life. And look at Acts 9 verse 16. For I will show him how great things he must suffer. For my name's sake. You know, the Bible doesn't hold back any punches. You, you want to do things for God in your life? You're going to suffer. Now, we already know from the scriptures, Jesus told his disciples that, you know, if I suffer, you're going to suffer. If, if they hate you, it's not you. It's because they hate me. But when it comes to my life and I've decided, God, I've grown here at this church and, and I've seen you work in my life. And, and now I want to take that next step of faith because I, I truly believe you're calling me. Get ready for some suffering. The evaluation continues, but ultimately it comes down to the call. Jump back to Acts 21. Notice that ultimately it comes back to approving things of God. That's why Paul tells Timothy, study to show thyself approved unto your mama. No. How about study to show thyself approved unto Dad, study to show thyself approved unto the brethren at church. Now, don't get me wrong. The church is good. The church filters. The church helps you serve. The church verbally warns you. The church helps grow you. But your call is between you and God. And if God has been knocking on your heart and you've been pushing away from it, pushing away from it, maybe this morning God would again knock on your heart and say that he needs you. Notice that eventually Acts 21 verse 14 comes around. Notice verse 14. And when he would not be persuaded, we ceased saying the will of the Lord be done. Now, 
it would be nice for everyone to be on board for life's calling. But it just doesn't happen. It, it would be nice for, for family to get behind us. And sometimes they do and praise God. But at other times they don't. We have a missions conference once a year, and, and uh, during the Sunday school hour, we, we kind of do a panel setting where we get the missionaries up front, and, and we ask them questions, and, 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 and typically there's a question in regards to how did your family support you? And at times we'll have, uh, we'll have couples that are just excited, and oh, they got behind me, the church got behind me, the Lord, and then at other times we'll have the wife weeping over here. Because she's going, I, I, I can't talk to my parents anymore. We'll have the, we'll have the husband saying, you know, it, it, it was hard. But, but the Lord's starting to open doors and, and allow that relationship to be rebuilt. Notice verse 14 of Acts 21 says that when he would not be persuaded, we ceased. In other words, this was... Uh, Okay, Paul, we tried. Nobody else is going to make you realize. Okay. Now, before we get judgmental and frustrated, real quickly, the process is actually a good thing. In fact, just what we've covered in this passage, Paul had to evaluate in his mind a single decision for this season of his life six times. It would be totally wrong of you to be like, Woo, God's called me. I'm going tomorrow. I mean, you are foolish. Have you even thought about the situation? On the other hand, sometimes when God calls us and we go through these, what I would call filters of life, and, and God starts uh, uh, literally purging you of self and sin, it's a good thing. The process is actually good. We all have to go through a process. During youth, it might be good to take a, a short missions trip just to see what it is to raise money. Dur during your college years, maybe a short missions trip just to see that what it's like to live in a different culture. It's so neat because here in America, we're all time sensitive. Practically anywhere else in the world, we're culture sensitive and event oriented sensitive. In Papua New Guinea, you'd wear a watch, but not to check time. It was just beautiful, and it showed your status. And in Papua New Guinea, we would say, I'm gubla something long mean, me by looking you abinun. And that was, it's mine, it's good, I'll see you soon. And, and even in South America, same thing with dinners. They would go on for hours. And in America, though, here in America, we're, we're sensitive. And so a short missions trip would be perfect. Missions debutation. Sometimes as a church, you're like, we're just going to get behind one missionary and we're going to send them off. And that's great, but sometimes it's the debutation that filters a missionary out. Because if they can't, if they can't survive on debutation, they're not going to be able to survive on the field. And so the process is actually a good thing. During the process, our motives are checked, our self-will is critiqued, our, our desires are spiritually focused, our, our why is revealed. 
My mother has recently been going through lung cancer. And, and over the past two and a half years, God has just been taking things from her and taking things from her. And, and she had actual lung cancer where they removed her lung. And for two and a half years, she's just, God, why are you doing this to me? Why are you doing this to me? And then uh, two months ago, she was able to witness to her sister and her sister who she had been praying for for 49 years accepted Christ as her Savior. And when I went to visit her, her face was just beaming. Doctors have still only given her less than a year to live, but she said, James, I have my why. Now, as Christians, we don't always have the why. And in my mother's case, for two and a half years, she didn't have a why. But God comes along in the process and starts working on your heart. And in his time, he'll give you the why. In closing, there's a realization here. People today believe there are things that they will identify with. And they will go through it knowing it is hard. Right now we have big pushes with all kinds of different lifestyles and beliefs. Recently I was following um, a Christian author who, who, who showed a man who had decided to be a lizard. And he did all the surgeries. He cut off his nose so that his nose is flat. He cut off his ears so that he has no ears. He tattooed his face, did implants to make little puff things here, made sure to get his uh, skin green. He, he even went further to cut the tongue so that he could be as lizard-like as possible. And he was willing to go through the hardship for his identity. Now, here's the catch. We as Christians... God pricks your heart. He says, I want you to do this. You fill it. You fill it in the blank. And our number one obstacle is, I'm going to suffer. Yeah, you are. And, and then we'll come for some support at church and we'll say, Lord, I'll, I'll give it to you if you tell me the end. I'll give it to you if, you, if I know the, the, the steps. Give me steps one, two, three. And, and Lord, do this for me and do this. I just, I just don't want to suffer. And the truth of the matter is when you decide to give your life over to God and decide uh, missions is the heartbeat and Lord, you've laid it on me. I'm going to go through the process. You're going to understand suffering is a part of it. Paul teaches the church the difference between carnal and spiritual Christianity. He even goes as far as in, in his letter to the church in Corinth. You, you want me to tell you what I've gone through? And we don't have time, but Paul shares it all. In the end, let's wrap this all up. Christian, are you ready? Notice Acts 21, verse 13. Then Paul answered, what mean ye to weep and to break mine heart? For I am ready. This morning we saw Paul understood the dangers of his decision for Christ. Will you? This morning we saw Paul clearly was given a call from God. Have you? This morning Paul understood the process of God's timing. And the pool of the heart and the emotions. And, and, and he understood it. Can you understand it? And lastly, Paul was aware of the real dangers and still yielded to God. Can you? Let's go ahead and stand. We'll have a time of invitation. I'll ask Brother Titus to come.
maybe this morning, with the focus on missions, you would make a decision for Christ. If you, if the, as the piano begins to play, if you would bow your head and I'd like you to ask a couple of questions to yourself. This one first is, number one, what is church to you? Is it a place where you come and check your block and sit in a seat and um, put money in? Or, or is it a place where you've come to worship and glorify the Lord and sacrifice as he did? Lord has asked us to take up your cross daily and follow him. What crosses do you take up here? Do you come and relax or do you actually come to work? And I understand that when some of us work 40 hours a week, maybe more throughout the week, and Sunday's one of those days where we kind of just try to relax a little bit. But when we come here, we are here for God. I at least hope that that is, our, that is our heart. We are here for him. We are here for Jesus Christ. And we're here for each other. Maybe there's someone here that's been touched by what was preached today and want to surrender to the mission field or uh, surrender in some kind of way in service, full-time service for the Lord. Maybe there are some here that God has touched your heart to be able to do a little bit more, a little bit extra. Uh, and there are, may have been some obstacles in your path. So this is the second question I'd like you to ask yourself. The first one was, what is church to you? The second one is, what is in the way of your service? What obstacle is in your way? And I'd like you to take care of both of those questions here this morning. So the altar is open as she plays. And if God has dealt with you in some way or form or fashion this morning, then come do business with the Lord here at the altar. If you're not able to make it to the altar, right there at your seat, Just take a few minutes and talk to the Lord. I'm going to ask that the uh, missionary family, the Hensons and Brother Raul, you and your family, go ahead and ha- ha- take a, take your leave, go grab your kids or whatever, um, and we will meet you out in the fellowship hall right after this. We're having a time of fellowship um, with our missionary and with our guest speakers. Um, we'll close here in a second. We're going to pray, and then uh, I would ask uh, that our church family if you would, please uh, allow them to go first and be courteous to them and let their family go through and get what they need. They're going to be going out and getting those. As a, as a reminder, don't forget your kids over in junior church and down the hallway. Um, I, I had already forgotten until I read the announcement that I was supposed to make. So so go ahead and grab them. Head on, head on over to the fellowship hall. We've got some uh, a potluck kind of uh, a fellowship. Grab what you can. If you didn't bring anything, that's okay. Just come anyway. And, uh, and fellowship with us, all right? Um, let me see here. Brother Ed Richards Sr., if you wouldn't mind closing this in a word of prayer. All right, thank you.
Our gracious Heavenly Father, we come before you now, Lord, thankful for the message that you brought to us today, the challenge to our hearts. We ask, Lord, that you would uh, uh, use it to honor and glorify your name. We thank now, Lord, uh, the opportunity to fellowship together around the table. We thank you for the provisions that have been made for that, for that and ask uh, your blessings upon our time together. Bring us back to this evening that once again we may say it's been good to be in the house of the Lord. We'll give you the praise in Christ's name. Amen.